0: This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. One of the first shows of 2024. Man, we're moving right along here. Starting the 11th year in March that we've been doing this. Wow. Yeah, wow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There we have. Time
0: flies when you're having fun, right? Yeah. So anyway, we got a great story. This is probably, what we're going to talk about here is probably one of the bigger jobs you've ever done, isn't it?
1: I think it's one of the largest. Yeah, absolutely. I had a buddy of mine help me out with this because it was just too big for us. And it's a very good customer and friend of mine. And we are wrapping up. And we spoke prior to this a few shows. It's an old 300-year-old farmhouse. We talked about the soffits. We talked about doing the fascias. They're done. Everything's done. We took some of the existing stucco down that we're having problems. We put hardy board siding up to match the existing part of the house. It was there already. But what really stands out, we did that trim around the windows. So the Provia windows pop. Trim is yeah. going to be white. The windows yeah. are white, but we're doing black shutters. Yeah, and so
0: that'll be in a lot of nice contrast.
1: Yeah, well, the windows were done back prior to COVID. We put the endure with the SDL, which is simulated divided light. I know we probably didn't talk about that before. What's that grids that actually look like they're on the inside and outside, mm-hmm. and it makes it look there are individual panes of glass that are on that window, mm-hmm. painted about to clean, but they look great and it pops. It really just shows off a house that really didn't look so great to now it looks phenomenal Mm -hmm. and the only thing we're still waiting on which we got back ordered again are the garage doors i'm not a liberty to say but i believe the price is uh, probably the most expensive garage door we ever put on there's three of them three garages on this one it's it's not a small little garage house it's pretty large Mm -hmm. and there is a a room above it like an in-law suite they have on there they had their repair and there was with the years of the children growing up, was great for them the service and her being on the property that she could be there whenever they need her. So it really worked out. Good idea, yeah. So everything's completely uh, done on that place. And we're about 75% done on the house, which the main part of the house had the same thing. Windows, we did some siding in areas where uh, she wanted to put siding. The soffit, everything's done. And then we just decided, literally within the last two hours, the gutters, we're doing half round gutters. We were gonna put a gutter color up that matched copper, but it looked fake. So she's going to go with all black gutters and black downspouts. Didn't want,
0: she didn't want to do copper gutters?
1: Well, real copper gutters have a substantial dollar value. I'm to sure them. they do, yeah. And I gave her the price. She said, yeah, we'll just go with the black it looks great but i don't really like pulling up to a house and saying hey look at my beautiful gutters after i just spent how much money on that place well the only downside is since we're living in the pennsylvania area and now it's cold out that the stucco guy got put on hold until the springtime so they were delaying yeah, they I were delaying stucco it, now not at all so, i don't even
0: want to be outside right now <laughs>
1: believe it, it was nice to get all the doors done we did the pro doors last week and everything's done on our end what we need to do and my buddy's helping me out with the soffits and gutters and stuff like that and he's at the final point of wrapping up, but the stucco part is gonna be done in the springtime here. So we'll start that probably in like mid-March where it's warm enough because the stucco itself, There's so many additions on this 300 year old farmhouse. You can tell the stippling effect. So yeah, she's going to have it all done at once. The landscaping, she's getting a lot of landscaping done, a lot of retaining walls, a lot of flagstone pavers that she's putting in. The stone's going to be going on chimneys on the far left side of the sounds
0: house. Sounds like it's going to be a real show place. It is.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it really is. And the pictures are, are getting better. I didn't want to take pictures of the back room yet because of the garage doors. They're a little beat up. And <laughs> I said that to her husband. I said, I don't, I don't know if I want to show these pictures just yet because of the garage doors, but they're getting replaced. And once they're replaced Nobody's going to be near these doors once they get put in. These are the last things I want to put on because of the substantial dollar value they have. And there's three of them. So with that, that's what we're trying to get on. I'm going to have her on to do the final, but she was busy with work today. And she said she wanted to come on and talk about how thrilled she's with the job. We're getting close. So what I like to do is probably in the next couple of weeks, we'll be done our end. And then when it warms up, we're going to be starting the stucco but see the shutters can't get put on until the stucco's done so they have to put on the stucco on and then they'll put the shutters on and that'll be of
0: course yeah Mm a little
1: cherry on top of the Sunday that we're going to be doing so
0: everything in life is a process
1: yep so we'll get it on as soon as it gets in but uh, take a look at the pictures that i'm putting on the instagram your valuable home and facebook instagram both of those pictures will have the project that we're talking about on the replay
0: All right, Kev, we got a pretty interesting horror story about a window company that's putting in windows wrong on that on Instagram.
1: Well you know what? Every time I've talked about roofing and windows, how many times have I said ninety-nine percent of the windows that I've seen are installed properly or could be done better? Nobody's ever questioned me yet on that. Well, could be done better means not installed
0: properly. Yeah, there you go. Well, I would never do it this way. Yeah.
1: You know when you're on social media and you're looking at, say, if you're on Instagram or Facebook and you start looking at one thing they're going to send you something similar to that well i've went on instagram i started looking at one of these things and it it showed you a company doing window installations using spray foam and the window was installed two things i seen right away that are the worst thing you could possibly think of is number one it was a cheap vinyl window that's number one number two there's no rubber around the window so what you would be looking at is they start at foam of the window. You should see rubber on the sill, which is the framing of your house. It okay. needs to be inside the envelope of that window because mm-hmm. if that window ever fails where the, the welds break, aka stucco problems, that, that is there to take the water and drain it properly away from the house and using that rubber so it's not absorbing into the wood. So and then this is the second one that I've seen. The window is installed. When the window is installed, it was lying flat. So even if the sill... Of the framing of the house is level and you put the window but you don't put it right onto the sill itself because you got to get material in there which is foam you need to foam from that window to the rubber not just foam to the outside now what that means if that window's tight to that cell and you're putting a little spray foam all this is going to build a bead on the outside of that window which is technically the inside so you're not really addressing that foam to get under the window and use it properly there's just a little bit of bead number two 99 percent of it's getting cut out because now you gotta put a jam extension on that window. So where is the foam working? How's it working if you're cutting it out? So we did the video, the Provia Sugar Shack, we talked about me raising the window up a quarter to three-eighths of right, an inch, exactly. properly measuring the windows and installing the foam in between the window and the it was rubber. It's rock solid then. <laughs> Hello, and you're not gonna have the problem. But that's what people look at. They think it's going to be the right way to do it. I would never do it that way because, see, what people don't understand is it's just talking the installation of the window. That foam that was put on, which is now on the inside of that window, needs to be removed to get what's called a jam extension or a sill to apply up to that window. So if you're cutting it out after you install it, how's it working? So, but everybody's commenting saying, hey, yeah, this is a great job. Hey, thanks well, for they, the advice. Well, that's because
0: they don't know. That's why we do the show. That's one of the reasons we do the show, right? It's because they don't know.
1: I've been trying to get people to come on and tell me that that's a great idea to do it that way versus my way. And we'll have maybe a window manufacturer or the foam company come on and say, well, I think we're going to have a disagreement on that. But that's what the thing is that people just don't know. If you're thinking of, hey, I'm getting windows and that's the way to do it. How good is that if that they cut all that out and now the window's starting to fail? So number one, one having no rubber and or number two, two, installing the phone wrong, or number three, not raising the window.
0: People who don't have the energy, whatever you want to call it, to do their homework, they're going to accept it because it was on Instagram. It's like you're seeing stuff on television. You accept it. You don't question it. If you're a questioning person and a curious person, you're going to delve into it and find out if the guy's telling you the truth or not. But most people aren't that way. They just don't do that. We know that for a fact.
1: How many times do we get on the air saying, hey, what's your price? Well, we don't want to talk about price. We want to do the three criteria. Number one is what are you purchasing? Number two, what's the method of application? Rubber and foam. And number three, who's the one physically doing the work? Who's doing it? That's a big part of it. That's how I sell most of my jobs today. Because we've talked about roofing and, and windows. Ninety nine percent of the jobs that I've physically seen is not the, the owner of the company doing the work. It's subbing it out. And I don't see quality control of that unit being installed. I got news for you. Quality control
0: is something that people don't even know how to spell <laughs> don't even know how to spell it anymore. <laughs> it is it is basically absent from this whole society right now.
1: Well here, I'll give you a question. With me being an installer, I know as an installer doing a job and properly doing it? Why is it that people can just come into my industry that I've worked in and and do a job that's not right for the homeowner? If you're going to be in this business, how do you not know by just thinking ahead that when you install the foam or put the rubber down, if you're not doing it correctly, it's not working correctly. Why are you doing it that way?
0: It's one of two things. Somebody hasn't taken the time to learn it or somebody doesn't care. Maybe it's a faster way to do it. They don't care. Get in, get out, get their money, boom, go rip off somebody else, right?
1: Pretty much what it is. Yeah,
0: It's either they don't know what they're doing or they don't care about what they're doing.
1: Yeah, There aren't
0: a lot of other possibilities here.
1: Look, and I'm asking anybody that thinks what I'm saying is wrong, not putting the rubber down, uh, not foaming it correctly, not raising it. So that foam, I always tell people, listen, when I put this foam down, it's it's stickier than tar. If you want to put your fingers in it, hey, more power to you. But you'll understand when you put your fingers in it and how sticky it is. And the purpose of that foam that I'm using is one is insulation, but it's also to providing a barrier so that if the window ever fails or moisture gets in, it stops it from coming in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's I've seen you do. I've seen you use the foam. You use the foam in my house, right? Yep. It gets like a rock. You yep. can't do it. You can't get it. You probably couldn't penetrate it with a
1: bullet, right? <laughs> I'd say it's great product. If you have the mm. right foam. There's, I mean, there's various levels of foam, but again, it's going to cost more of the price to get the better foam. But by getting that better foam and providing a service of knowing what to do on the installation, now you've got a lifetime, a lifetime of no problems with it.
0: Well, you had the old saying, we started out using this like 10, 11 years ago, homeowner, do your homework. Right,
1: right. but how many times have we said they've, they thought they did their homework, but have never been correct on that?
0: Well, don't accept anything to be uh, the real thing unless you really totally check it out
1: right and listen i'm always welcoming other contractors come on and and prove me wrong i've said it for years and i'm saying it again for roofing siding installation
0: knocking on the door
1: and how many years are we going to be going to almost we're going into the 11th year now 11 years and nobody's ever
0: 11 years a lot of horror stories
1: Kevin at yourvaluablehome.net, send me any information you have and I'll give you the right advice so you can hire the right contractor.
0: We've got Jim Marley, Senior Technical Training Coordinator for Simpson Strong Tie. Simpson Strong Tie is a company that makes all sorts of connectors that basically hold the components of a house together. This is something you got to hear, especially if you're planning a major renovation because you can do that and get your house up to snuff. And if it was built years ago, chances are it's not.
1: All right, we'll be back after we take a quick break. Hey, Kev, we can never
0: ever heap enough praise on Provia products. I say they're metal
1: roofing. That's right. Provia metal roof replicates the classic look of cedar shake, quarried slate, and clay tile. Manufactured with 26 gauge galvanized steel and designed to withstand damaging hail, torrential rains, intense UV rays, and strong winds, a Provia metal roof is the last roof you'll ever need. With your roof covering 60% of your home's exterior, you'll
0: appreciate the value of a Provia Highly Aesthetic Metal Roof that improves your home's curb appeal, provides 50-plus years of protection, requires little to no maintenance, and generates energy cost savings. And Provia's metal shake, slate, and barrel tile roof systems are made right here in the USA with domestically sourced steel, a portion of which is
1: high-quality recycled steel. Okay, Ron, it is time for the featured segment. And I believe we've got a returning guest and a product that I use quite often for all my buildings.
0: We talked about building resilience into older homes. We've talked about it many, many times. So what is resilience? I was wondering about the definition of it. So I, I found it. Resilience in construction refers to a building's ability to withstand and recover from severe weather events such as hurricanes. Nobody's mentioned tornadoes. Forget tornadoes. I'm sure there are millions of homes all across America that were built 30 or more years ago and we're not constructed to be resilient. For one thing, code didn't require it then at all, but today we have a company like Simpson Strong Tie with a line of trusted products designed to keep residential and other buildings from getting disconnected in heavy winds. In other words, making them more resilient. With us today, again, is Senior Technical Training Coordinator, Jim Maley. Welcome back, Jim. Thank you. It's good to be back. In a major remodel of an older home, is it a good time to assure that an older home is made more resilient and capable of standing up the high winds? Assume that all of the siding, the windows, and the roof will be replaced in that home.
2: The key point there is the siding. So, once they remove the siding, then they can get to the OSB or plywood, whatever is on the outside sheeting. And at that point, then they could put floor to floor straps on, hurricane ties. The only thing that might be a little bit tricky is to see how the sole plate was anchored down. Kind of still have to get into the sole plate with maybe a concrete screw or something like that. But everything else can actually be done from outside the sheathing. So as long as they remove the siding, they can retrofit that home and make it resist those high winds a little bit better.
0: Well, how would you check the seal plate if it's, if the plywood goes right to the ground almost? Years ago, it probably wasn't fastened that well, was it?
2: No, it probably wasn't. You know, when you're inside the home doing it, maybe you have to remove the drywall. You know, remove that bottom, maybe six inches of drywall, get in there, see how the seal plate was anchored. If it wasn't, then you can drill a hole and put a concrete screw in there.
0: What do you do about the roof, tying the roof into the framing members?
2: The rafters that come down or the trusses that come down on the top plate, you're simply using a hurricane tie or a structural screw. I think the structural screw is actually good for remodelers because... With the hurricane ties, you're shooting the nails in and maybe you crack some of the drywall, but there is a six-inch structural screw that could go through the double top plates and into the bottom of the rafter or the truss to tie the roof down. Now, the roof sheathing, you know, that's another area that they talk about because really once the roof sheathing goes, then rain or water gets inside the home and it doesn't really matter how you're connected, right? You definitely want to check the roof sheathing to see that you have at least a 6 and 12. And I would probably recommend a structural screw in this case because screws are going to hold better than nails will. And the other thing you want to check for is to make sure that they actually hit the rafters or trusses when they put the nails or the screws in. I'm sure you've seen times when maybe they put the nails into the sheathing on the roof and they kind of miss the entire rafter. That's not holding the roof down very well.
1: You know what I like to do also is when I'm doing the side, I've been doing this for years, is that I will take the soffit, take everything down, strip it down, but I can use the hurricane clips. And then what I'll do is I can tie to the outside of that if we have a nice rafter tail. So if I have a good 12-inch rafter tail, I know I can get into the two top plates and then use that hurricane clip to get into the rafter itself right at the bird's mouth. And that really gives a good load for the upheave from that soffit area. And that's one of the options I've been doing for years. I know we talked about it in the show prior of just having remodelers start to do that because I don't see any siding contractor in this area or even down at the Jersey Shore where we get a high winds. Nobody's doing it on older homes. And newer homes, they are, but not the older homes.
0: Is there any way to do it to really tie the sheathing into the rafters from inside the house, from the from the attic?
1: Well, if you're on the outside with the siding down, the siding guys can see right at the plate and the rafter tail because the soffit has to come off and or if there's plywood underneath the soffit because it's an older home they used to do that back then, that will need to be removed so you can do that. I think that's going to be a much better job what Jim was talking about. If you miss just trying to guess if the rafter tail is there and you, know, you miss it, that little quarter inch piece of plywood that you have there going through that, she is it's not going to hold. In older homes, when you have a siding company that's coming in there, sometimes you probably need to just take that quarter inch piece of say 12 inch soffit that's there to ensure that the contractor... And the job's going to be able to use the hurricane clips to make sure he hits the top plates and the rafter tails.
2: There's actually a very good video on our website where a bunch of homes were destroyed in Mexico Beach, Florida. I think that might be the title of the video. And a remodeler had come in and he removed the soffit. He used a hurricane tie such that he was able to screw the hurricane tie into the rafters and into the top plate. I don't remember exact number of homes he did, but every single home that he retrofitted survived the next hurricane that destroyed everything else.
0: In the last big deal that happened in Florida, in Fort Myers, Fort Myers was essentially leveled. I'm sure that area was all holder homes and commercial structures too. Would a redo to add more resilience to the home, would it have helped in that case? Because that was storm surge too, wasn't it?
2: Right. Kind of the same thing with Superstorm Sandy. You remember that when that came along in 2012. A lot of that damage was flood as opposed to wind. I think the the winds were about 90 miles an hour, but a lot of the damage, and there were over 300,000 homes that were damaged from Superstorm Sandy. So it was a big deal. Kind of the same thing with Fort Myers. And so when you look at the amount of damage that occurs from flooding versus actually what occurs from wind, that's actually more. And that's when you're looking at your lateral loads. How do you address those lateral loads? and make sure that the structure doesn't get basically pushed off foundation or the pilings or something like that. And and again, you know, that there have been enough homes built properly where even if you have storm surge and everything's connected properly, they survive. There is a way to connect everything and, and make sure that your home doesn't get destroyed next time that storm surge or flood comes along. Can you
0: explain the concept of continuous load? And I'm sure that wasn't employed in any of those homes in Fort Myers. That storm just like rolled through that whole town.
2: Yeah, you know, a continuous load path is simply when you have, for example, two pieces of wood next to each other, you have a joint there. Well, it's simply tying all the joints together so that the joint's not the weak part. Basically, if all you're doing is toenailing or you build a wall, for example, and you shoot the nails into the end grain of the stud, that's not a very good connection. And those connections fail. So basically, on a continuous load path, what you're doing... On is your for a home, for example, you're tying the roof to the top plates, the top plate to the stud, the floors together, the stud coming down on the second floor to the sill plate. And then so played into the foundation. On a deck, it's a little bit different, but it's still the same concept. All the wood joints have to be tied together properly so that the wood joint doesn't become the weak member. And if you look at a lot of failures, a lot of the failures are actually occurring at the joints.
0: At the joints. So that would be the case. If you did some forensics in Fort Myers, for instance, you'd probably find a lot of that. You would. Older homes, those homes were probably built 50 years ago, the ones that got wiped out, right?
1: Well, also being low to the ground, too. A lot of the homes, if they, once they were redid or elevated to a certain level where they had breakaway walls, it made them more resilient to storm surge. And then it's just doing your tie-ins off the older house. Most houses can take up to that 100 and 120 mile hour winds if you start building correctly from the beginning. Right. How many of you some houses that were put up with, like I said, cut nails and nails just to hold decks up throughout the years? And it's finally came to the fruition that people are like, well, wait a minute. If we're going to build something that's going to be lasting, we've got to do it right. And I've been doing this for years. I mean, Simpson strong Tie, I've been using in all their products, but I've been overkilling it because I don't want problems. And if you do it right for the first time, a little bit extra material, and a little bit extra nailing is not going to hurt because I don't like the creaks in the older homes, how they hear a lot of creaking once the rafters moving because they were tied in. They were just toenailed in, And that's what you're trying to let people know. We're trying to make it stronger. So you minimize that also. And that could be done also. That doing it that way, putting the the proper product in when you have the availability.
0: So yeah, my house, uh, with the roof is supported by trusses. Yes, are they strong enough to withstand something like this that we're talking about? Big winds.
2: Yeah, I think it really matters whether it's plate-connected truss or a, a 2x10 rafter, for example. The trusses are generally connected together with metal plates that tie those members together, and those plates are actually engineered to transfer the load properly, whether it's snow load or, or wind load. So I don't know that I would be concerned about the roof being plate-connected trusses or rafters. It still comes down to how is that roof tied to the walls, and that's basically where the problem is. Starts, or again, the sheathing on the trusses themselves. You know, how's the sheathing tied into the trusses?
0: When did code begin to require the use of products like yours that help create continuous load?
2: You know, that's an interesting question. I assume you're talking about the International Residential Code. So, if we're talking about the International Residential Code, the uplift part actually became a code requirement in 2012. But remember, that's when the model code put it into the model code. And so what has to happen then is two more things. That code has to be adopted by you know, the state or the jurisdiction. And in a lot of areas, it ends up being the state adopting it. And they generally don't adopt it you know, when it comes out. Some states may adopt it a year after it comes out. Some may adopt it six or seven years after it comes out. Then we get adoption of that code. And then the next thing is enforcement. The residential code itself is over 1,100 pages, There's just so much information in there. Then there are over 700 reference standards. For example, you're nailing. How do you nail properly? Well, you have to go to a reference standard to figure out how to nail property. That's not actually in the code book. There's adoption. Then there's the local adoption. And then there's enforcement. And that could be 10 years until it actually becomes code as a model code until you actually see enforcement of that model code requirement.
0: So the code update that occurred in 2012 probably really wasn't widely adopted by people to 2022.
2: Could have been that late. It could have been. Now, depending on what state you're in again, Maryland, for example, for the most part, until this latest code cycle, they would adopt it and start enforcing one year after it was written. So 2012, it's written. 2013, they start enforcing it. It's kind of all over the place. (laughs) I can't tell you exactly. You know, you kind of have to ask more specifics and then I can be a little more accurate on
0: that. So the enforcement comes down to the local guy, the local building inspector per township.
1: We always talk about it a bunch when you see these inspectors. And I always have a nice conversation. with Jim, you'll love this one. And the newer builders or guys that are just trying to get into the business and they might say using shrimps and strong tie and they're looking at the hurricane clips and the inspector is looking for to make sure that every hole is nailed. They'll put one or two nails in top and bottom. So the old joke of it is, well, maybe if you can call Simpson Strong Tie-Up and ask them if that's going to pass code, then I'll let you pass. But other than that, those holes were there for a reason. So they designed it to make sure that it holds that rafter tie down. And uh, we always get a kick out of the guys always try to skip nail. So enforcing the job to do it, installing your product correctly is key to getting the best performance, correct?
2: Absolutely. You know, I'll give you an example. Have you heard of the term Tico Nail?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so
2: that refers to a company that had been around for a long time but actually closed in 1995, and it was a 148 by inch and a half nail. Unfortunately, it's still a really common nail. About 40% of all nails used for our connector products use that 148 by inch and a half nail. However, only 10% of the products actually require that nail. You can see there, there's a big gap between some of the fasteners used and whether that product's actually going to meet the load that we intended that product to meet. You know, the International Residential Code has limitations to it. So one of them is high wind, for example. You get to a certain high wind level, and that could be Long Island. Florida, most of Florida is actually in a high wind, so a lot of your coastal area. You then can't use the residential code for that part of the design. So now you have to go to the international building code. And that is more of a performance standard. You know, it says here's the loads you have to meet, build to these loads, resist these. You know, 100 mile an hour winds. A home that could be built in a high wind area versus one that's not built in a high wind area might be built entirely different and might resist the loads. And you may only be looking at homes that may be, you know, five miles apart because of that. So I can't say, you know, 100 percent all homes built prior to when this code requirement came into effect aren't going to resist it because there's a lot of factors that go into that. Whether it was built right. (laughs) <laughs> you know, to start with, we kind of go back to that, right? And then what code they were following and, and some other stuff. So and I'll, I'll give you another example. Hurricane Andrew occurred in 1992 and Florida changed its building code, a lot of damage. It was over $25 billion worth of damage back in 92. So I don't know what that equates to today's dollars, but it was a lot. So by 2000, Florida actually changed its code and then they started requiring continuous load path and everything else. Well, Florida's been hit with quite a few hurricanes as you know, most of the homes built since the new code has come into effect actually do pretty well. It's the homes built prior to that 2000 that don't do well. For the most part, you're looking at stick homes, but even the block homes will have a stick roof. So even if you go to South Florida, for example, where in South Florida, they use block and then the roof will be a stick roof. And really, once the roof
1: goes, who cares what the walls are? Good point. Right, exactly. Building <laughs> <laughs> a swimming pool at that yeah, point.
0: Yeah. right. Just give us a quick rundown on everything we talked about right now in terms
2: of retrofitting an older home.
0: How many different Simpson Strong type products we come into play?
2: It's not actually that many. There's an excellent piece that Simpson put together not too many years ago called High Wind Retrofit Solutions. And in that, it'll give you some hurricane ties or the structural screw for tying the roof down. There's a floor-to-floor screw or a strap. So if you're coming from the outside, you can use a strap to tie the top stud to the bottom stud. If you're coming from the inside and you can remove some drywall, you're not doing that remodel job of siding, then we have screws that are as long as 30 inches that you can screw through the bottom plate into the top plates and then tie all that stuff together with another screw and everything else. And then, of course, the sill plate is anchored generally in a post-installed application with a concrete screw.
0: Everything we're talking about here tells me, too, that if you have a newer home that was even built like in 2015, 19, 18, 1920, and you have to take the siding off, it probably would not be a bad idea to check and make sure that everything's tied together. Because one can't assume if the code takes that long to filter into the population.
2: Yeah, you can't assume that you know, it was built to a certain standard because again, I don't want to blame building inspectors because 1100 pages is an awful lot of stuff to know. There's just so much to know that a contractor, a building inspector, you know, anybody there may say, well, they know, that's not their specialty. And the homeowner's just going to have to become aware of what ties these structures together. And I think what started this program was resilience. If the homeowner wants resilience, That's not what the building code is for. The building code is for life safety. So it's a little bit different versus the the resilience. And so there's organizations like the Institute for Business and Home Safety that has a fortified standard. And that's resilience. You know, that means that, you know, hey, we want this standard, we want this home to survive the event. International Code Council is actually defining a performance code right now where they're going to say, we want to resist, you know, 100 mile an hour winds or we want to resist the flood event. So it's actually outcome oriented versus life safety. A little bit different way to look at things. I think when you you look at, am I building to code versus am I building to resilience?
0: I think building the resilience is the better concept, isn't it?
1: I'm sure insurance companies are going to like that. Less damage. You know, know, I don't do much reading, but I I did read a good bit of that. More about the rail systems than anything else, because that is probably the most intricate part of building. The way they talk about the rail systems, like on decks. That's why I don't do permits for decks, because I don't do decks, because there's so much into knowing about how this product works. Just doing it is one thing, but knowing the product and and what you could use for it for even retrofitting existing homes is a world of difference.
0: Yeah, we got to get into that because it could act as like a, a sale. Yep. Do contractors have to undergo certification in the use of your products?
1: No, they don't. They don't
2: need to be certified. But what I strongly recommend is that they at least have the connector catalog with them. And find out what fasteners are used in those connectors. You know, a fastener is pretty easy to install. The fastener can actually be the connection. The anchor can be the connection, but the connector, joist hangers, hurricane ties, they don't work without a fastener and they're not intuitive. Consequently, then I would strongly recommend that they become aware of the common products they use every day and the correct fastener to use. Because I go back to that 148 by inch and a half nail being used in 40% of the connectors, but only 10% of them takes it. We don't require this they be certified, but it's a good idea to be educated.
0: You know, Kevin's going to do everything that we're talking about right now, but how would the average homeowner, if they're into a major remodel, have his siding torn off, maybe the roof torn off, whatever, how would they approach a contractor to make sure that he's doing what we're talking about?
2: Some of the documents that I pointed out, this high wind retrofit guide, for example, you know, the homeowner's going to have to ask for that. So they pull it up or ask for a copy of it, and kind of point that stuff out. Hey, I want this done. You know, I want hurricane ties put on the connection there between the rafters and the top plates. You know, I want floor to floor connections, and and then give them examples. I'm not sure if we're going to talk about decks, but that's another one that's a real issue. For
0: how would our listeners get that so they could be prepared to question the contractor?
2: You can uh, either order it online at strongtie.com. So you can order the, the piece of literature. Go go to the website, strongtie.com. Look for High Wind Retrofit Guide. You can download it. Or if you want a hard copy, just order it online and we'll we'll mail literature out.
0: Yeah, I, I would, anybody who's into a major remodel, I would advise them to get that.
1: Yeah, just ask the right questions. Yeah.
0: Outdoor rooms are a popular addition to a lot of homes today. They're all over Bucks County where we are. Which specific connectors and other Simpson Strong Tie products would come into play there? Because you don't have any walls, so you got that wind pushing up towards the roof.
2: I work with an association called the North American Deck and Railing Association. And I'm actually teaching a 10-hour course on building a deck and includes a porch uh, right, basically. And when it comes to porches, porches are a big problem because... They're basically umbrellas, right? You know, you get the wind under there, and it just kind of pushes it off, and then unfortunately, you know, you lose your roof, and you probably lose some siding and some some other stuff. So we go back to tying the joints together. How do you tie the joints together? Well, it can kind of be done with the same stuff. You know, you have a hurricane tie, tying the beam to the posts. You tie your rafters into that beam. You tie your porch into the house if you want to. You can have a freestanding porch, of course. Doesn't really matter. But you're tying all that and then tying that into some sort of foundation. Maybe that's a footing, like a, a pier with a footing or something like that. But then tying that. So think about being able to lift that roof up with your hands. If you could lift the roof up, and the roof moves, well, then it's not tied down. Something simple as that, that's only high wind. You know, when it comes to flood, (laughs) interesting about high wind versus flood. When it comes to high wind, insurance companies will pay to have that fixed. When it comes to flood, nobody pays to have that fixed. So I go back to Superstorm Sandy, you know, there were about 450,000 decks and porches destroyed from Superstorm Sandy. The homeowners were shocked to find out that they had to pay for it because homeowners insurance doesn't pay for flood and National Flood Insurance Program doesn't pay for anything outside the building envelope, which is a porch or a deck.
0: Just briefly, how do you test your products?
2: We uh, actually have seven test labs. So we test the components. So if we're doing, say, a deck, for example, and, and it's a Southern Pine application, we'll purchase the wood. You have to uh, use materials that are common in the market. You can't go buy special wood so that it's really stronger than, than other wood. So use materials that are common in the market. And then in one of these seven uh, accredited test labs, we will then test the connection to failure. And we're kind of an open book, you know, people that want to go check out one of these test labs as long as... As we're doing some testing and, and they're open, people can go see how products are failed. And it's kind of neat to, to see how a wood member tears apart or something like that. That's primarily for the wind and the, and the flood-stife stuff. When it comes to seismic, we actually have our own shake table. But we also use universities for that because there are some universities out there that have some bigger shake tables than we do. And so they can test uh, holes, full-scale homes for lateral loads, you know, shaking and everything. And, and then we, you know, have the connections in there. So the nice thing about Simpson, and I've been with Simpson 32 years now, you know, when I tell you something performs a certain way, I feel pretty comfortable it performs a certain way because we tested it.
0: Jim Maley, Senior Technical Training Coordinator, Sim- Simpson Strong Tie, great company. Kevin, uses use your product all, all the, the time. time. Give us the website again.
2: The website is Strongtie, so it's S T R O N G T I E dot com. That's all one word, StrongTie.com. Go to the high wind retrofit guide, or go to the deck center. There's a separate deck center on there because that's an issue with with a lot of homes. Also, you can get any kind of information you're looking for. You can get off of that website. So S T R O N G T I E dot com, Strongtie dot com.
0: Jim, great having you on again. This has been wonderful. Real education for me. Look into this stuff.
1: Thank you. It's great talking to you guys. Appreciate the conversation. Remember the name Provia, your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone and metal roofing. Products made with latest technology and honest old-world craftsmanship. The Provia way.